Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to Hebron. Trust you will be blessed as we study God's Word together. We're continuing in John's Gospel. We're in John chapter 6, and uh, the passage um, is John chapter 6, verses 16 to 24. Um, I've called it, uh, Through the Storm, He is Lord. Let's read the passage together. When evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started across the sea to Capernaum. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. The sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they were glad to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Amen. May God bless his word to us today. Um, I don't know if you could put the, the picture up on the screen, please, but on the screen behind me, this is a painting called The Storm on the Sea of Galilee. And I appreciate you'll not be able to fully uh, appreciate the painting itself, but this painting was painted by Rembrandt uh, back in the 1600s. And it's a wonderful painting of Christ uh, with his disciples in a boat, in a storm on the Sea of Galilee. Apparently, this was the only seascape that Rembrandt ever painted. Now, the painting uh, used to hang in a gallery in Boston. And if you visited the gallery today to go and see the painting, then you'd be disappointed because all you would see is an empty picture frame. There's no, no painting there. Because in 1990, the painting was actually stolen by two thieves dressed as policemen uh, who came into the gallery. Now, Rembrandt's painting is not actually about the storm that we've read about in John chapter 6. It's about a different storm that took place on the Sea of Galilee. On another occasion, and you can read about that storm elsewhere in the Gospels, Matthew chapter 8, Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8. But the painting is relevant to today's message for two reasons. First of all, it presents a vivid picture of a storm on the Sea of Galilee. You get a real sense of the ferocity of the storm. The dark clouds glowering above, the angry waves crashing into the boat. The sense of danger, the foreboding, 
the sheer panic and fear of the disciples. You can't see it, but one of the disciples even has his head over the side of the boat, vomiting in fear. The second reason is, if you look closely at the painting, and you count the people in the boat, you'll discover there are 14 people in the boat. Now, you can't, you can't do it on the screen. It's not clear enough. But there is Christ seated at the back of the boat. And then there are the 12 disciples with Christ, 13. And then there is one other person in the boat, circled in yellow. And this other person, with one hand, he's clinging onto his hat. And with the other hand, he is clinging tightly to a rope in the boat. And the strange thing about this person in the painting is that he's actually staring straight out of the painting, staring at you, looking at him in the storm. And this person is actually Rembrandt himself. He painted himself into the painting. He painted himself into the storm, into the boat with Christ. Why did he do this? Well, Rembrandt suffered many storms in his life. He lost three of his four children when they were very young. His wife died relatively young. His mother died soon after. He eventually became bankrupt. And so Rembrandt, like many people, knew about the storms of life. Now, I don't know if Rembrandt had faith. I don't know if Rembrandt ever came to saving faith in Jesus Christ. But the message from the painting is clear. That in the storm, he's telling us to hold on and to face the storm with Jesus Christ by your side. Life is full of storms. Maybe as you sit here today, you find yourself in the middle of a storm in your life. Maybe life for you had been relatively calm, but then suddenly from nowhere, a storm hit. So as we look at John chapter 6 today, paint yourself into this picture. Let God speak to you from His Word. What are you afraid of? What are you trusting in? Who are you trusting in? Is Jesus Christ in your boat? Do you face the storms of life with Jesus Christ? Because the key message today is this, that through the storm, Jesus Christ is Lord. He is Lord of all. So here in our passage, we have another sign, we have another miracle performed by Jesus. Jesus walks on the water. In the midst of the storm and at the darkest hour, He comes to His disciples walking on the sea. Have you ever tried walking in water? It doesn't work. 
It's impossible. The laws of nature, the laws of gravity don't allow it. But Jesus did it. Now this is the fifth sign that John records for us in his gospel. Last week we looked at the fourth sign, the feeding of the 5,000. And John, led by the Holy Spirit, has selected these specific signs and he has placed them at the appropriate point in his gospel record of the life of Christ. And these signs point to who Jesus is. They tell us who Jesus is. This is why John wrote his gospel. At the end of his gospel in chapter 20, he writes, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written, these signs, so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of of God. This is who Jesus is. He is God. He is the Messiah. What does that mean for me? John writes again in chapter 30 at the end of his, his gospel. He says, And that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the life that only Jesus can give. Divine life, the life of Christ within you. Do you have that life? Now the key message from the feeding of the 5,000 was this. Not that Jesus gives bread, but that Jesus is the bread. Jesus did not come to give us bread or to feed our bellies or to uh, satisfy our material needs. Jesus came to give himself. Jesus came as the bread of heaven to give us himself, to give us his life. Listen to what Jesus says later on in the, in, in the chapter. He says in verse 33, for the bread of God is He, Jesus, who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Jesus is the bread. It is from Jesus that we receive life. It is Jesus who fully satisfies. It is Jesus who sustains us. Because Jesus is God. Jesus is the Messiah. But let's go back to verses 14 and 15 of chapter 6. When the people saw the sign that he had done, when they saw the feeding of the 5,000, the miracle that Jesus had performed, they said, this indeed is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew. The crowd saw the sign, but they didn't see Jesus in the sign. 
Just like the previous signs that Jesus performed, the crowds didn't get it. They didn't get what the sign was telling them about Jesus. They didn't see that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is God. And they relegated Jesus to a prophet or to a king. Failing to see that Jesus is so much more than that. He is God. And the crowds didn't believe in him. They were more interested in their bellies. They were more interested in their material needs than their spiritual. Again, Jesus Jesus speaks plainly to the crowd in verse 26. He says to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. They had full bellies. This is great. Now let's think about it from the perspective of the disciples. The feeding of the 5,000. Jesus had just used them to do something that was impossible. And we saw last week that this is how Jesus works. And this is how Jesus still works today. He uses us. By His grace, He uses us, but first we must come to Him. And we must receive from Him so that we can serve and give to others. So here we come to to this fifth sign, Jesus walking on the water, and we find His disciples, no doubt they were exhausted from having served the thousands, the many thousands in the crowd, having fed them, having ministered to them. But then you go to some of the other gospel accounts of this episode, and we read in Mark's gospel, for example, in chapter 6, verse 52, that it seems that even the disciples did not fully appreciate what Jesus was revealing to them about himself through the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. We read in Mark chapter 6 that the disciples did not understand the loaves, but their hearts were hardened. Amazing. Their hearts were hardened. Matthew and Mark, they give us some helpful background in the lead-up to the disciples going into the boat we discover that Jesus had actually told his disciples to go on ahead of him, to get into the boat, to cross the sea, to go to Capernaum, and that Jesus would join them later. Jesus then dismisses the crowd by himself, and he goes up the mountain to pray. Now here's the point. Who is this miracle for? It's not for the crowds. The crowds didn't see this. This miracle is for the disciples. This miracle is for us today. Jesus is about to reveal himself to his disciples in a most unexpected and amazing way. He is going to test their faith. He will show them what it really means to believe in him. He will show them that He is the true bread. That we have all that we need in Jesus Christ. Yet not I, but through Christ in me. That's what we sung earlier on. 
And this sign is all about the presence of Jesus Christ. It's all about the power of Jesus Christ. It's, it's what it means to have Jesus in your boat. To have Jesus in your life. But sometimes it takes a storm. To really know and to really appreciate the presence of Jesus. Look at verse 17. It was dark and Jesus had not yet come to them. Jesus is not with them. They're alone. They don't have the physical presence of Jesus. And it's dark. Verse 18, the sea became rough because a strong wind was blowing. A storm suddenly hits them. Now, uh, some of you will know, we as a family, we we, uh, visited Israel just after Christmas for a holiday. And it was a fantastic holiday. I would thoroughly recommend it uh, if you were able to go there. But one of the highlights of the holiday was that first glimpse of the Sea of Galilee. You know, driving in the car, uh, kids arguing as normal in the back, myself and Rebecca in the front, zoning them out, and on the horizon, that first glimpse of the Sea of Galilee. Wow. And then actually going down to the shores of Galilee at Capernaum. Now, there's actually quite a drop down to the Sea of Galilee. I didn't appreciate that. It is 600 feet below sea level and surrounded on the north and the east by high mountains, the Golan Heights, Mount Hermon. And at the corners of the Sea of Galilee, there are these deep ravines that act just like wind tunnels. And the cold wind comes funneling down from the high mountains And it meets the moist air 600 feet below sea level. And all of a sudden, a storm breaks. And you get these sudden, unexpected, violent storms on this tranquil-looking Sea of Galilee. It's just like life. One minute all is calm, and then a storm breaks. You're called into an unexpected meeting at work and you're told you've lost your job or you're placed on notice and a storm breaks. And it's amazing how quickly life changes. One day you notice a small lump and you go to get it checked and the doctor asks you to come back pretty quickly for a biopsy and then suddenly it's a serious diagnosis. And a storm breaks. You pick up your spouse's iPhone to search the internet. And an unexpected message comes up from a woman or a man. And you do a bit of searching and it seems as though your spouse is being unfaithful. And a storm breaks. Life is full of unexpected, violent storms. Verse 19, when they had rowed about three or four miles. You know, at its narrowest point, the Sea of Galilee is six miles wide. So they have rowed three or four miles. They are past the point of no return. 
They are committed to the, to the journey, and they are simply obeying Jesus. They are simply doing what Jesus told them to do. You know, like the disciples, storms can break on our lives when we are committed to Jesus. When you are simply doing what Jesus Christ asked you to do, a storm can break on your life. And maybe in the course of your ministry, in the course of your service, you are exhausted from serving others for Jesus, and then the storm hits you, and you're left going, why? Why has this happened? Where's Jesus? Has he abandoned me? Does he not care about me? And it becomes a real test of your faith. A storm that rocks your faith, and you begin to lose sight of Jesus in the storm. And you begin to think, you need to hold on. Matthew and Mark tell us that it was the fourth watch of the night when Jesus came to his disciples, when he walked on the water. In other words, it was the darkest hour. Again, Matthew and Mark tell us that Jesus had been watching his disciples on the mountain. He saw them struggling in the storm, and now he came to them, walking on the sea, walking on the water, the violent motion of the waves that rocked their boat, the restlessness of the sea, and Jesus puts it all under his feet. He walks on top of it. He does the impossible. They saw him. It means more than just seeing. It means they fixed their gaze upon Jesus. They couldn't believe what they were seeing. This shouldn't be happening. And they were frightened. And then verse 20, Jesus speaks and he says, It is I. Do not be afraid. You know, it's easy to miss this in the English translation. But Jesus, as he walks on the water, and as he speaks, he is now declaring who he is. It is I. This is the key point. In Greek, it is ego imai. I am who I am. He is declaring himself to be the great I am. If you were to read the, the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the name of God, Yahweh, in Greek, it is this same word, ego imai, I am who I am. Jesus is declaring that he is God. He is the creator God. He is the word of John chapter 1. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He is sovereign. He is in control. He can suspend the laws of nature. He can suspend the laws of gravity because He made them. He can walk on water. He can feed more than 5,000 people from five loaves and two fish because He is the God of the impossible. And He reveals Himself as such to his disciples. And in the midst of the storm, 
when it seems as though Jesus is not in control, when it seems as though Jesus is absent, he's not there and he's not interested at the darkest hour, that's when he comes. It's then that Jesus lets them know that he is in control, that he does know their struggles, and that he is with them in the storm. At the darkest hour, he's prepared to get in the boat with them in the storm. It is the presence and power of Jesus Christ. Verse 21 says, Then they were glad to take him into the boat. Jesus is in control. He's in control of our struggles. You know, I know there are people in this church who are passing through storms. And it may seem to you as though Jesus is not in control, but He is. He knows and sees your struggles. And He will come to you. And you must see Jesus in the storm. Like Rembrandt, cling, holding on with Jesus by your side. You know, this, this sign teaches me this, that nothing can stop. Nothing can separate Jesus from coming to his people. Nothing. No wave is too big. No wind is too strong. No night is too dark. No struggle is too much for him. Whenever the storms hit your life, Jesus is there. Jesus will draw alongside you. It is I. Be not afraid. He's in control of our struggles. He's in control of the storm. And lastly, he's in control of the journey. Look at verse 21. You know, there's a second part to this miracle. Verse 21. Immediately, the boat was at the land to which they were going. There's a bit of mystery here, isn't there? We're not told if the storm ceased. That's not the point here in John's Gospel. What John tells us is that as soon as the disciples received Jesus into the boat, he was in control of the journey. He brought them to where they were meant to be. And he brought them safely to the shore. You know, if you receive Jesus into your boat, into your life, he will be your guide. If you trust him, if you rely on Him in faith, put your faith in Jesus Christ, He will bring you to where you need to be. But there is a bigger journey for each one of us. And it's that journey that leads to your ultimate destination. It's about what happens after this life. You ever think about that? Where will it end for you? Will it be with Jesus on the shores of heaven 
or without him in the darkness of hell. Jesus will bring you safe to the shore. He is the only way to heaven. Just thinking of that, the words of that old hymn. Russell was singing it on a Friday night at a youth club. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, time shall be no more. When the morning breaks, eternal, bright, and fair. When the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Paint yourself into the picture today. Is Jesus Christ your Lord? Do you know him as the bread of heaven? He is God. He is the great I am. He is the God of the impossible, the God that can walk on water. He is the God who has promised he will never leave or forsake his people, even in the darkest storm. And nothing can separate you from the love of Jesus Christ. Do you know, I couldn't face one day without him. I couldn't even think of facing one day without Jesus Christ in the boat. Is he in your boat? Through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the revelation of Jesus Christ in your word. We thank you that he is God. He is the great I am. And Father, we want to praise you that he is Lord of all. We thank you that he is Lord of all through the storm. We thank you that he can walk on water. We thank you that he can put under his feet the very things that trouble us. Father, may we ever trust him and rely on him. Pray that you would just speak, Father, to everybody in this audience. Minister to them. Touch hearts and lives by your grace. We just give you praise and glory now in Jesus' name. Amen.